Let's go to the book of Luke chapter 4. The book of St. Luke chapter 4 and verse, we'll start at verse 16. Now, what you need to know real quick, this is not the first time you see this passage of scripture. You actually find it also in the book of Isaiah. But for the sake of time, I'm going to take up Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Here's what the Bible says. The Spirit, capital S, capital S, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me go back real quick to verse 16. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would you say that with me? The Holy Spirit is upon me because he has anointed me. I, I really want you to work with me these next 15, maybe 17 minutes or so. Come on, work with me. Say he has anointed me. Mm -hmm. One more time. He has anointed me. Yeah. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to uh, the poor. I'm going to stop right there. Let me change my mic over to my lapel. I want to talk to you part two today. Uh, you're anointed for this. You're anointed uh, for this. One more time. You're anointed for this. But I want to I want to change up and I want to advance this message uh, to something that I pray become more of a challenge today. All right. Let me let me work on this mic just a little bit more. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. Good, 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 good. Okay. Um, You're anointed for this. You're anointed for this. How many of y'all were here last Sunday? Let me just see your hands. You were here last Sunday. Okay. How many of you were not here last Sunday? Let me see your hands. All right. I mean, go ahead and be honest. I'm not going, I'm not fussing on them. I just, just want to know. Okay. By the way, I never welcome the guests in the church. Uh, if you're not a member of the city church and you're here, good morning. And welcome. We're glad you're here. We really are. And if you don't have a church home, or you're kind of in that pseudo quarantine, out of pandemic, now, now what we're going to do type crowd, we're really grateful that you're with us today. We're not interested in what you give to us. We're, we're interested in what we can give to you. And may you experience and receive everything that I believe that God ordained for you to have in this church today and beyond. All right. Um, with that being said, we started last week with this message <laughs> and boy, boy, oh boy, oh boy, what a week I've had. Sister Felicia, I should have known, I should have known when you preach a message like this, you better get ready for the challenges that come after you preach this message. I, I, Father, forgive me for being slow this week. I should have known that I was going to be tested with the very message I preach. Because with some of the tests and trials I went through in the last seven days, you hear me? Uh, I heard the Holy Ghost say, uh, you're anointed for this. I said, I don't want to hear that right now. Because I don't feel no lick of the anointing for this right here. Because I'm about ready to say some things that I taught the people not to say this past Sunday. But I am anointed for this. And you're anointed for this. 
But I want to take the message from last Sunday. I want to kind of advance the ball up the road just a little bit. And I want to talk about everyday marketplace anointing. Everyday marketplace anointing. When I think about what God has prospered and blessed so many of you all to be doing right now with your podcasting, with your social media ministries, with your, 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 your stage productions, and your drama, and your albums, and your recordings, and Sunday schools, and, and, and the sales successes, and the small businesses, and some of you are really doing some really significant things. And I don't just say, you know, little stuff, but you're really achieving in your, in, in your, in your area of expertise. I don't count that short of the fact that God has anointed you to do what you're doing right now. But I want to press you to tap further into that anointing so you can maximize all that God has called you to do. And it may, it may not be comfortable, and it won't be comfortable. But I want to take it there today with a full court press. And I want to continue on this conversation about the anointing. Because one of the things we're going to discover, or one of the things I want to remind you is, God anoints you to do, not necessarily to be. Because I think the church has taught us that we are anointed only in the church on Sundays because of titles and positions in certain areas where we sit. But that's not the anointing. The anointing that I read in Luke chapter 4 is an anointing of what Jesus did, not so much of what, what his title might have been at that time. I don't really see a lot of titles here. I don't see a lot of positions here. But when he quotes Isaiah uh, uh, in the Old Testament, Isaiah, he talks about what God anointed him to do, not so much where he, what, what his title or position was. And so today, I want to continue on this conversation. And one of the taglines uh, that I encourage you to tweet or to, to chat, and for those of that are online and you're working today with the online minister, our virtual tech uh, representative today, I really encourage you to chat some of these conversational points. And number one, you got to realize that the anointing not only makes the difference, the anointing is the difference. The anointing is the difference. Now, uh, real quick, there's some of you all who weren't here last Sunday, so let me just take maybe a couple of minutes and just kind of catch you up from last Sunday. We looked at Acts chapter 10 last Sunday. We looked at Peter. You all remember Acts chapter 10, where Peter has his dream. God gives Peter a vision, I should say. And in Acts chapter 10, I'll pick it up real quick at verse 34. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God shows no favoritism. He accepts men from every nation who fears him and who does what's right and who does what's right. Let me skip down to verse 38. And how God anointed Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Who went out doing good. There, let, let me pause there. Once again, he didn't anoint Jesus to be. He didn't anoint Jesus because, but he anointed to do. He went out doing. He went out doing. So, uh, I'm not an English teacher, and I don't want to miss these words here, but it kind of looks like to me, and I'm not the smartest guy in the room by all means, but it looks like to me that the anointing has some type of expectation. I don't know if God would waste an anointing because of a title, a position, an office. But it sounds like to me that he anointed Jesus and the expectation and the follow through was that he went out. And he went out to do good. And 
people were healed and people who were healed who were oppressed by the devil. Why? Because God was with him. Now, now, what did we learn last week about Peter? We know Peter uh, wasn't uh, the cleanest whistle in the draw. We, we learned that, right? We know that Peter dealt with some overambitionness. He dealt with some overzealousness. We know that Peter wrestled with some proclivities. He wrestled with some personal, private problems. Peter dealt with rage. He had a temper issue. He dealt with anger, violence. Ah, uh, but we don't often realize Peter had a little self-righteousness about him. And this is what I'm about to bring it home. Stay with me. Uh, Peter had some hurt, some hate. And may I make it very clear. Peter had some prejudices. Paul says, Peter, you are a hypocrite. Now, you may not read the Bible like you should read the Bible. But if you look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, notice how Paul writes. And listen, he, he spares no words. He says, when Peter had come to Antioch, Paul says, where I'm from, I withstood him to his face. I didn't send him an email. I didn't have no gossip circle. I didn't go behind his back with some phony prayer meeting. I withstood him face to face because he was really to blame. And here's what happened, Paul says. When certain people came in the room, he acted a certain way. But when other folk came in the room, he switched on them and then he acted something else. We call that two-faced right and the rest of the Jews also followed Peter's lead and they played the hypocrite even Barnabas with his wanting to be elder self Bible says was carried away to hypocrisy what was Peter's problem Peter didn't know his identity Peter was struggling if the truth be told Peter was a hypocrite. The word hypocrite comes from the word in the Greek, pretender. He was pretending at different times to be somebody that he wasn't. You know, I kind of wonder in the church, do we do that from time to time? You know, I kind of wonder when we find out a person's bank statement and their bottom line net worth, do we treat them a little different? Hmm? Y'all not talking to me. Versus another person who comes in a room who doesn't look like they might, you know, have it going on. I kind of wonder some time, do we kind of move around certain crowds because they have a certain denominational, you know, garb or title or positioning around them versus somebody, you know, who just doesn't understand the whole hierarchy of ecclesiology. I wonder sometimes in the church, do we treat certain people depending on the level of tongues or the level of Hebrew and Greek versus somebody else who's still trying to figure out what the book of Matthew is in the, book of, in, in the Bible. Peter was a hypocrite. He had some other issues, but this was the one that we identified in Acts chapter 10. God puts him into a sleep. He has a dream, and in the dream, God shows him all these different animals, and God says, rise, get up, and go and eat. And Peter said, God, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, I'm a Jew, I'm kosher, I'm not eating anything that ain't clean. Now, can you imagine that? You telling God what you ain't going to do? We do it all the time. God, I got bills to pay. I ain't paying my tithe and offering. Now, ain't nobody on this side of the room say amen. I heard an amen from this section. I heard an amen from this section. But I hear nothing from this section. 
You know, we, we tell God what, 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 what. He clearly tells us what he wants us to do, but we in so many ways in a very, uh, sometimes it's passive aggressive. We, we looked apart, but inside we ain't going nowhere. It's kind of like when you were growing up and, you, and, you, and your mama said, sit down, sit down, sit down, and you still standing up. Then your daddy said, sit down. And you sat down, but inside you were still standing up. Right? So God says, Peter, you're going to eat what I said you're going to eat. And I think the Bible says, if I'm not mistaken, this happened three times. But then Peter finally gets the vision and says, quit calling unclean what God calls clean. You know, I said this last week, and I don't want to meddle too much, but yeah, oh boy, oh boy, here he go, here he go. Uh, I'm starting to wonder now, because a lot has happened in the last seven days. But I wonder did this COVID-19, COVID quarantine, this whole, you know, this whole pandemic, I wonder whether God's wake-up call to the church to quit being so hypocritical and so focused on people who you're comfortable with in the four walls of the church. We have a tendency to reach people who are already reached. We testify to people who are already saved. We're comfortable with people who are already in the church. And we dare not step outside these four walls. We dare not go outside of our comfort levels. Because this is just, it's effortless to do what we do with our praise and worship, with our teachings, with our sound and audio and our Facebook and our posts. It's, it, 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 it takes no work. But discipleship is dirty work. Going into a crack house, going into a prostitute house, helping somebody walk out of a drug addiction. That takes work. It takes patience, takes effort, takes courage. But we want to sanitize, recycle church folk. So God blows a spirit of COVID-19 into the land. And he forces churches to shut down. And he teaches us to start thinking, if you're going to pay them bills, you better learn how to go online. <laughs> if you're going to somehow sustain, you better learn how to think outside the box. Y'all still with me? Uh-huh. So now they're lifting the mass standards. Now people are back in stadiums and racetracks and we're back in the mall and it's kind of back to business as usual. But then you got this megalomaniac, modern day, uh, oh boy, I'm gonna get in trouble, but I'm, I'm, no, I'm recording, I know people are watching this. We've got this megalomaniac, modern day Herod by the name of Putin. Stay with me. And there's an eerie resemblance to the days of Hitler. Because Putin is arrogant and emboldened enough to tell you ahead of time what he's going to do. And so far, he's batting a thousand. And he is telling the rest of the world, if you get involved, I got something for you. But this won't be the cold world days of old. The type of stuff I got, you may want to think twice. Let's take a step further. Um, I got some friends, north, 
from China who've got some vested interests and they got some money. Take it a step further. And, oh boy, I should have raised the offering before I went to this next part because half of y'all ain't gonna like what I'm getting ready to say. You are not to be feared in the West. You're not the days of Reagan and Bush. You're certainly not the days of Roosevelt. I would say Trump, but then half of y'all would really get mad, but we're willing to do things now under this administration we probably would not have tried years ago. Because the West is no longer feared as they used to be. Just talking. I'm concerned. You know why you're not concerned? Because who cares what happens to Ukraine? That ain't my neighborhood. That's not going to affect my job, my bottom line. You don't think so. Let me give you two perspectives. Number one, if there is, and I do, I do believe there is, if there is merit with cyber weaponry, if there is merit, what is that term called again, the CP? EMP, electrical, magnetic, so the power grids, all of that stuff. Now, you know if Russia kind of got involved with our political stuff a couple of years ago, how much more? And I remind you now, we're not talking about secrecy stuff. We're talking about stuff he already told you. If y'all get involved, I got stuff you may not be able to handle. <laughs> okay. Um, what's going to happen if our power grid goes out? And gas shoots up to 20 and $30 a gallon and lines are wrapped around the building. Used car sales are now up 39%. 39% percent you think you've been inconvenienced with a little internet problem you think you've had some inconveniences two years ago when everything was shut down now now okay some of you are really really intelligent you're smart oh pastor whatever whatever all right let me give you some some some, some god factor what if god is taking us back to the days of judgment maybe COVID-19 was a test to get our attention to get our attention and whether we we're gonna pass or fail the test. I had two phone calls back to back in the same day. One call came from a bishop, very well respected, from the state of Michigan. He said, Stevens, call me. I gave him a call. He said, I have a question for you. And I'm thinking the question has something to do with the app or has something to do with fellowship, whatever. He said, well, how do you feel about Putin? And I'm thinking to myself, why are you calling me? Well, I ain't no CNN commentator. I don't work Fox News. I mean, what are you calling me for? But we had this dialogue. And here's what he said. He said, Stevens, you took me to Israel 13 years ago. He said, man, you're going to make me start crying. He said, I stood at the Valley of Carmel where Armageddon is prophetic to have taken place. Because you do realize that Russia is, is in the book of Revelations, is, 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 is the bear. You do realize China is the dragon. And if you keep following the apocalyptic in the literature of scripture, and again, I'm not day casting and I'm not saying what's going to happen tomorrow. But, but how much of this do we really believe? I mean, when do we draw a line and say, well, how much of this is real? And how much is this is fairy tale? When do we say, okay, I'm going to believe in this part is the truth, this is the truth, this is the truth, this is the truth, but you know, this part right here, I doubt it. What if this part you doubt has some merit? I mean, after all, 
The other part has certainly had merit and come to pass. So all I'm saying is this. Wars and rumors of war. Pestilences. Huh? Come on. Think. Think. So I got a call from Florida. You know what the question was? Hey, Stevens, what do you think about what's happening in Russia? And I'm like, did you call it? Did y'all? No connection from the first. And I don't get these calls. I don't get these calls ever. But you know what we talked about? I remember when I went to Israel. And so I thought about the scripture. The Bible says that the Lord does nothing except he first reveal his secrets to his servant, the prophets. Could it be that we have lulled ourselves into a deep sleep as a church? And all of these events are happening right before our eyes and we don't even know it. I had a pastor call me yesterday. I was in the restaurant at the airport coming home and he said, Pastor, please give me a call. I got something going on. So I said, well, I don't want to call. I was tired. I called him. He said, man, I got some issues in my church. One of the members left and I'm feeling bad, blah, 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 this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. I said, man, be encouraged. Because I think right now we're on the precipice that six months from now, there won't be room in enough churches for people to come and go. I, I just really believe right now the first should be the last and the last should be the first. As of right now, there are more empty pulpits in America. There are more empty. What do you mean by that? There have been more pastors to resign. There have been more pastors to quit. There are more open vacancies in pulpits and that's multi-denominational. Okay. So, so, so help me, help me, stay with me. I'll get back on target in a moment, but I want to give you some relevant real-time gospel stuff. Then we will go back and tie in the scripture in a moment because it goes back to you and your anointing for everyday money through Friday living. So listen to me closely. There are more empty pulpits right now, right now than ever before. I'm starting to think, Mother Montgomery, that six months from now, there won't be enough room in churches if this thing keeps trending and the trajectory keeps going in this direction. We think we saw something two years ago with this pandemic. But, but, but should God not mercifully intervene and in what we're seeing right now in Ukraine and in Russia? Because now we're at a very interesting standstill. Think about it. You're dealing with a man who wants to leave a legacy. He wants to put his name in the higher ranks of these world historic evil figures. And I'm not sure he has any respect or reverence or fear for NATO or for the West. I think he has a game plan. And I think he's daring. I, I, I dare you know how we were the kids. You put the chip on the shoulder. Here, I dare you. I dare you. In the media, what they stupid sell, they're just edging it on. They're the instigators. They're the instigators. They're the instigators. Trying to make this thing happen. Because, you know, obviously the more news, the more money they make. And here we are at the church. All the while. All the while. All I'm saying is this. May I be practical with this? First of all, you better, you better save and get as much cash reserves as you can. If you ain't got a, a, a backup power unit or some, what are those things called? Uh, uh, 
Generator, you better get you a generator. Get you some cash saved. I know we want to get big coins and that coin and this coin and other coins, dog coins and cat coins and all them other coins. You better get you some money like the old folk had, put it in the refrigerator and put it up under the bed somewhere. And, and, and I know, oh, here he go again with the political stuff. You may want to have a little, little, little lead, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, and I ain't talking about no lead of a pencil either. Uh, you may want to have a little something, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, just saying. <laughs> Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. I know this sounds really apocalyptic. Pastor Stephen, we can tell you you had no sleep. No, I'm well slept. I, I've slept really good last night. I'm, I'm really feeling really good right now. All I'm saying is this. Be prepared. Be prepared. Now, let's get back on target. The anointing. Your anointing is bigger than Sunday mornings. And I don't want to say that in a very condescending way. I applaud the grace on your life to sing, to play, to preach, to teach, to do media, to do youth, children's church. That takes an anointing and a half to work with someone else's kids. I applaud the anointing on your life to do hospitality to serve, to cook. Our church has been great for 27 years because of hospitality people. People who would stay hours and hours and hours after church cleaning and uh, putting together things, come early in the mornings. Servants, armor bearers, serving leaders. That's an anointing. My fear is that you leave that anointing at church on Sundays. And you never make money. You never save money. You never enjoy the, the wealth of God's creation. Because you were so busy utilizing your anointing on Sundays, you never had time to enjoy the, the benefits and the fruit of it on Mondays. I know I've went way over my time today with that monologue piece. But I'd ask that you give me a few moments to talk about activating your anointing in the seven areas of marketplace ministry. It doesn't take me long to do this. But I think you'll be blessed today. And for those that are online, I think you'll be blessed today. Because I need you to get back to marketplace ministry. Marketplace anointing. So real quick, let me go back just for a moment. I need, I, I need to do this. We knew that, and, and I'll, I'll leave Peter alone, because we knew that, you know, God dealt with him. Like God deals with me. And like God deals with you. Quit being a hypocrite. Quit being self-righteous. Quit thinking that this whole thing is all about you. God can do what he want to do with whatever who he want to do with it. Three things Peter realized is God shows no favoritism. If you live right and do what's right, God will bless you. Number three, the Holy Spirit really truly is the one who brings empowerment with the Holy Spirit. I don't have time today. I really want to get into the Old Testament Holy Spirit and the New Testament Holy Spirit. I don't have time to do it. I don't want to, but I can't. So you know what? Let's do this. Here's my two ambitions or my two objectives today. Number one, I want to say really, really crystal clear with laser focused precision. Let's talk about everyday marketplace anointing. Every day. And I hope you're excited about this because I'm not trying to get you anointed on Sundays. That's my job. That's our stuff. I need you to be anointed and make some money. I need you to be anointed as an entrepreneur. I want you to be anointed as a school teacher, as a professor. All right, if you're going to run for office, be an anointed politician. Make a difference. If you're going to be anointed in media, all right, hey, now yes. Man, when I preached this stuff years and years ago, there was no really such thing called social media. Media then was abstract. It was linear. It was radio shows and TV broadcasting and that was about it and maybe writing the news articles but now you can get an iPhone get a half of a lamp and tilt the lampshade and broadcast to thousands
on Wi-Fi. And if you get the right anointing, somebody will follow you. And if you keep consistent at it, somebody else will follow you and tell somebody. And if you wake up one morning, you'll have 100,000 followers. Then somebody will reach out and say, we could pay you to have access to, to, to market to your followers. How much you want? I don't know. How does 5,000 a month sound? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Y'all not saying amen, I see. How does 10,000 a month sound? All right. Uh, well, it, it, it's a lot to me. It may not be a lot to y'all. Y'all are so broke off and y'all are so blessed, okay? How does 15,000 a month sound? Does that sound good to anybody? All right. It happens every day. It happens every day. When I don't need, I just, see, uh, uh, just give me Jesus. Okay, I want Jesus, but I like to have... Because, you know, the Bible does say in the book of Ecclesiastes, money does answer all things, right? I do want to go to heaven, but while I wait to get to heaven, I, I'd like to deal with South Park Mall, too. I'd like to be able to be without a mortgage or a rent or, or, or live debt-free, too. All right? Uh, don't you want your wife to go on a cruise with you, too? Uh, and I'm not, when I say cruise, I'm not talking about them little two-day cheap cruises to the Bahamas where you go one day and you back the next day. I'm talking about one of them 15-day cruises like a... Like, like Troy Graham and his wife took. They took like a 21-day cruise to, 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 the, uh, to Hawaii. I ain't never heard of a 21-day cruise. All I'm saying is this. There's an anointing on your life to make you do better what you're right now doing, but you don't even know it. You know why? Because we taught you in the church that your anointing is just for Sunday mornings, on inside the church, and just for the glory of what happens here. That ain't what Luke chapter 4 told me. And that's not what he reiterated throughout the scripture. So with that being said, uh, I know it sounds a little ghetto, but I'm talking about the Monday through Friday anointing. The Monday through Friday anointing outside of these four walls in the church. So the word anointing, real quick, basic, real simple. The word anoint means to smear, to sprinkle, to rub. I can't give you all of this, but Leviticus chapter 8, again, you can follow this on the app. You can follow this on the printed outline on the sermon. Leviticus 8 and 10, Moses took the anointing oil. He anointed the tabernacle and everything in it. He consecrated them. He sprinkled some. He anointed the altar. He consecrated them. He poured out the anointing on Aaron's head. So now we see all these words in play. Smear, sprinkle, Poor, consecrated. So the anointing means to consecrate. So that's Old Testament. We got it. Uh, I'd like to bring that relevant in modern day uh, analogy. The anointing is God's power or his supernatural ability to inf uh, or, or influence uh, upon a believer's life to accomplish specific tasks for his kingdom. Let me say it again. And, and, and guys, I, 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 I beg of you, an extra few moments, just an extra few moments. Because if you get this, you'll never see starting the business the same. If you get this, you'll never see going to the job tomorrow the same. God gives you a super natural, the word super means hoopo, above. He gives you an edge. There's something about the grace factor that he puts on a believer's life. I always say this and I'll say it again. You're not better than other people, but you're better off than other people. He gives you a supernatural ability, right? For a specific task, okay? Uh, and, and it's really all for his glory. He doesn't 
it was never meant for you to be anointed to do something for sin that was never his intended will it was never meant for him to anoint you to do something that would bring glory to the devil that was never his will not his gifts and the calling are without repentance we know that when God anoints you he sharpens that sword he betters the gift but it was never meant to give glory to darkness it was meant for his glory and his honor let me break it down like this he he gives you wisdom beyond just common knowledge the anointing is supernatural power more than just average strength the anointing is a grace and gifts that takes you beyond your natural abilities do you understand that the anointing it, it, again it doesn't make you better than others it just makes you better at being what you currently do so if you're a songwriter if you're if you're a, um, a middle school teacher if you're a stay-at-home mom if you're a land surveyor if you're an attorney whatever your occupation whatever your career whatever your crafting is the anointing will give you a holy or heavenly edge to sharpen that sword how because he speaks to you things and if anybody needs to be speaking in this moment I think you'd want God to show you some things I had to go I had, listen I had to go on my knees this past week in prayer because of a devastating situation what with one of the clients I deal with and I said God you got to help me with this one because this is beyond my control and he took me to Isaiah chapter 30 where the Bible says that I will speak from behind in your ear and I will tell you what to do and I stayed right there in prayer because the next scripture was Exodus 14 and it was reiterated in the convocation or, or the workers meeting be still and know that I'm God excuse me not, not be still and know I'm God uh, 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 um, 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 uh, well it is that but that's, uh, I'll get that scripture in a moment but in Exodus 14 when 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 God tells Moses about Pharaoh and, the, and, and, and Pharaoh's army that was chasing them he says listen uh, stand still that's right stand still and see the salvation of the Lord for the Egyptians I call them the the Egyptians the Egyptians uh, y'all y'all can figure that one out later these Egyptians you see today you will see no more uh, you may want to write that one down in I Egyptians okay yeah I'll leave that alone huh <laughs> all right yeah uh you put that right next to the the uh the needle mites then the the needle mites all right the direct descendant of the needle mites all right y'all help me okay uh, maybe i did not get no sleep maybe I, maybe it is true okay um but i went back to the first <laughs> you all right <laughs> all right yeah but i went back to the first part of exodus 14 and i noticed something says the dinette God said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. You know what that told me, Mother Brown? It told me this. While you over there over there somewhere, Steve's minding your business, I'm going to deal with your enemy. I'm going to deal with the heart. You ain't got to do nothing. You just keep minding your business. I'm going to work on your behalf. Because it wasn't just the Egyptians. If you notice, the Bible said that there were 600 additional choice chariots. Now, we're not dealing with chariots today, but I'd like to use it in the modern vernacular. These are 600 choice demons. 
that I've added to the assault against you. But God said, don't worry about it because I'm going to strike you with a spirit of blindness. And they're not going to know what's going on. All right? But if you would just do what I asked you to do, stand still. Don't worry about hanging nobody because I'm going to give them enough rope to hang themselves. And in the end, you're going to look good in all of this if you don't get your behind in the way. So get out of the way, stand still, and just see the salvation of the Lord. So this is why David said, only with my eyes shall I see the, 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 the reward of the wicked, right? Now we can go over to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah um, what was that? No, not 40. Uh, I think it's, no, Psalm. Um, uh, I got it in my head. Psalm, Psalm 46. There it is. Verse 1 through 4 and then verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Why? Because Psalm 105 reminds us, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. God has an anointing on your life to do marketplace ministry. And when God makes a promise to you, he's going to provide, he's going to protect, and somewhere between the provision and the protection, he's going to give you a peace that passes all your understanding. My time is up. I really need to do close this service. But I need to remind every one of you all to get back to this Monday to Friday anointing. Get back to thinking and strategizing and networking. Get back to planning and praying because God says, listen, I am your advantage if you allow me to be. I'll speak some things to you that can't nobody else hear. I'll show you some things that nobody else will be able to see. You, you may not understand it, but I'm allowing you to go in some places that you really wasn't invited to, but I'm going to open the door and I'm going to be the one to invite you in the door. You really don't have the pedigree. You don't have the, 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 the academic degree. You don't have the credit score. You don't have the, the handshake. Of a, but, but I'm going to work this thing out so to where you're in the room, right? But here's the thing. When you get in the room, you ain't got to go shake the president's hand. You ain't got to go shake the regional vice president, uh, regional vice chair's hand. You ain't got to go shake the opener's hand. All you got to do is thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so glad to be in this room. How's everybody doing? Uh, and everybody looking around like, he, I know why he's here. I know why she's here. I know why them are here. But this character right here, I don't know why they're there. You don't need to know. God got you there for a reason. And if God opens that door for you, you can better believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got to know that all things work together for the good of them that believe. I'm here to tell you right now, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, you ain't woke up yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I just want somebody to stand to their feet. And I need somebody to go to praising the Lord with me. God knows exactly how to give you wisdom beyond common understanding. I believe the anointing is not just a strength, but it is a supernatural ability to tap in when everybody else is tapped out. I believe that when you understand the anointing, it is a grace and a gift that goes well beyond all of your natural abilities. Don't you thank God for the anointing on your life? David wrote and said, you prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. Listen, you even anoint my head. Somebody lay hands on your forehead and say, Lord, thank you 
for anointing my big head with oil. My cup running over. God, I want to say thank you. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. Now he who established us with you in Christ, he is the same one who anoints us. Just point your finger at somebody. Point your index finger and say, neighbor, the same one who establishes you with Christ is the same one who anoints you. And that's God. I want to declare and decree over your life these last two minutes that I have that he anoints you at home. He anoints you as a husband, as a father, as a wife, and as a mother. He anoints you on the job. I don't care if you're the supervisor or you're the newest employee. There is a power. There is a grace for every good worker on your job. He anoints you in the classroom, even if you're the student or the teacher. He anoints you for the boardroom. And when you got to go to court, there's an anointing in the courtroom. I know you don't observe it, but God will move the heart of the judge. God will show you favor with the jurors. God will bless you and prosper you. I don't know what you need today. I don't know what predicament you're in. I'm not quite sure what situation is going on, but whatever you need, God can anoint you for that situation.